Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me today to make our Week 11 Picks of the Week you know her, you love her as the superstar of the podcast, my coach Charlie. And Charlie, I gotta ask you, the outset here, just a couple days away from this trip to Knoxville, are you ready for that freezing cold? Because it is going to be cold. But at least it's during the day. Supposed well, to be half of the game will be during the day. Well, I'm trying to be positive, as one of our listeners Which is, said. Yeah, I'm look not. Look at you! You're, you're taking taking cues from our listeners. No, we I like it. going to Knoxville. It's a nice trip. It's quite the change. I feel like this is the year, like the the odd number of years, are when we go to Knoxville, we go to Nashville, obviously we go to Jacksonville every year, go to Tech. These are the trips that I know that you don't love. I feel like we come. You have and myself as well. I have complained about some of these trips, especially going to Auburn. But Knoxville is actually a pretty fun trip. Yeah, it is. I will say it's not like a city I would want to live in, but for a weekend, for a football game, they care, they're passionate, you get the energy, you get the vibe, you get everything you want from a from a road football weekend. It does feel like you against, like us against the world kind of thing. So I, I do like going to Knoxville. I, I really do enjoy it. I'm looking forward to that. I do not like the fact that we had to move this game to November, because Charlie, I'm looking at the weather, the most recent weather update here for Saturday is a high of 49 degrees on Saturday, low of 32. Oh, that's better than what I thought it was going it was to be. Actually, it's actually 46. gone up a little bit. Yeah, it's gone up a little bit. So I guess, you know, it'll be it'll be high 40s. Maybe it'll sneak in the low 50s there at kickoff. But then, Charlie, halftime, if you're in the shade, I don't know where you're sitting, it's going to get cold. We'll just pretend that doesn't happen. It's going to get cold, girl. You better get ready for it. But, Charlie, we only have one more home football game. That sucks. I don't even want to think about that. College football is just amazing thing, but it only lasts for such a short time. Of all the major sports, it has the shortest season. So that sucks, but even though the season is running out of time, there's still a lot of reasons to visit Athens, right? Yep. Got basketball season, which is going to be We're 1-0. We're 1-0. We're 1-0. This might be the only time we have a winning record on the year. Hopefully I I get proven wrong. It doesn't look like it's going to be a great year on the hardwood, but if you like basketball... 
It's a great reason to come to Athens, great excuse to get up here, take in the game, go downtown, have a good time, enjoy all that Athens has to offer. If you got a student here, I know graduation's coming up, I guess the, the mid-year graduation, December's coming up, so there's still a lot of reasons to visit Athens. And when you plan that next trip to Athens, please make sure, take my word for it, book your stay at the Normal Town Cottage here in the heart of Athens. Free tree-lined parking, can't get that in any hotel. You have an awesome host who, take care, who takes care of all your needs. You have three bedrooms, a kitchenette, big screen TV, awesome bars, awesome restaurants. Just a very, very short walk away. It really is no brainer. So again, as you're making plans for your next trip to Athens, for whatever reason, make sure to book your stay today at the Normal Town Cottage. All right, Charlie, we've got some picks to make. As for our picks last week, let's review that first. As for our picks last week, no, neither one of us managed to hit that elusive 8-0 week. But Charlie, like, I thought we had pretty good weeks. Yeah. Overall, well, I think we both went 5-3, and three, right? Yeah. We had four differences on the slate. I usually like to beat you. I try to. Honestly, that's my first and foremost goal. Hasn't worked out lately. You've been on a roll. Uh, but we had four differences. You had Ole Miss. I took a flyer on Liberty. That did not work out for me, so you won that one. You took Mississippi State. I took Arkansas. That was an awesome game. I hope you guys were able to catch that one. I know that wasn't really on the uh, the list of the best games of the day. It was kind of on the undercard, but I thought that was an awesome game. Arkansas was able to pull that one out, so I got you there. Probably my worst pick of the weekend was Florida over South Carolina, minus 18. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was bad. Um, that was bad. That was really based on the idea that Florida just had so much more talent than South Carolina. South Carolina was on a third-string quarterback who made his first career start. They have really been struggling offensively. I really undervalued how much of a train wreck Florida is right now internally. Obviously, we know I've been telling you guys for years, Dan Mullen's a clown. I knew that, but I didn't know they had quite given up like they had. I guess after the Georgia game, after we whipped them there in Jacksonville, they realized it's done, it's over. And there's just been a lot of negativity swirling on that program. I should have taken that more into account. I did not. I think Florida was 18 points better from a talent perspective, but it didn't work out that way. So I lost that one. You got that one. Um, then Washington, Oregon, you picked the Huskies. I took the Ducks, and I was able to edge you there. So we split those four differences, and that brought us both to 5-3 and three on the week, which means that we are still in a dead heat, Charlie, with records of 45-36 and 36 on the season. We both hit our ever-so-slight upset special with Tennessee outright over Kentucky. That was another awesome game. I know there weren't a ton of headliner games last week, but there were some really good, fun football games to watch. And that Tennessee-Kentucky game was certainly one of them. But, Charlie, you did miss on a second upset special. You threw two at us last week, which I, I loved. I love you bringing the heat there. But you had Mississippi State outright over Arkansas, which I was shocked to see you make that pick. Because I know Sam Pittman's near and dear to your heart. I didn't want to. But you had to be objective, right? Yep. You had to, you had to go with the head. You tried to be. And look, it was a, that was another really good game. Mississippi State-Arkansas, great football game. Uh, Arkansas ended up edging them out there. Came really, literally, right down to the end of the game. Mississippi State had a field goal opportunity to win the game, and they did not knock it down. They missed three field goals in that game. Charlie they missed a 31-yarder. That ugh, that one hurts. But the Hogs were able to take that one. You missed that upset specials. That brings you to eight and four. Still really good with your upset specials, where we pick an underdog as an outright winner. And that I I did nail my Tennessee pick just like you did Tennessee over Kentucky. It's the only upset special I had last week. That brings me to ten and three on the season with my upset specials. 
it's really insane. It's crazy that my upset special picks are the ones I'm nailing at a higher rate than any other picks this season, even my locks, Charlie. So I don't know what that tells you. Now, the news was not as good for us. Speaking of locks, not as good for us on the locks front. Charlie, you locked up Washington as a seven-point home dog, but you missed on that one. That brings you to six and five on the year with your locks. I went with the principal play, man. I went with Bama, minus 28 and a half over LSU. And in retrospect, that was another really bad pick. It's a rivalry game. I should have thought a little deeper about that. Because, yeah, that didn't work out so well for me. LSU clearly played their best game of the year. Maybe I should have seen that coming, especially after the, the Florida shoot game last year. We should have known that LSU had that in them despite the lack of talent, despite the guys that have opted out. I just missed on that one. It's my bad. And that brings me to 8-5 and five on the year with my locks. At this point, I really do. I think I just need to make my upset specials my locks. That's, that's what I got to do. That's going to be the strategy from here on out because those are the picks I'm just nailing each and every week. The locks, I was on a roll for a while. I missed like two of my last three there, but we'll get back on track this week. So, Charlie, let's get to these picks. Where are we starting today? Like several of the past few weeks, we're going to start with Fox's big noon kickoff game, which has the Michigan Wolverines going to Penn State. Jim Harbaugh and his boys only have one loss so far this year, but Penn State is going to be looking to knock off the number six team in the nation come Saturday afternoon. The Nittany Lions are not as good as everyone predicted they would be this year, but at this point in the season, the attitude becomes, who can we knock off this week? This is a pick'em game, and I think Michigan has a more competent ground game and will win this one. If it was a night game, maybe not at Penn State, but I think Michigan will walk away 9-1. and one. All right, real quick, you mentioned Michigan was number six in the updated college playoff rankings. Yeah. They leapfrog Michigan State. Both teams have it one loss. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. This, this is my problem with the committee. They don't apply the same logic uniformly because you have Ohio State number four, Oregon number three. They both have one loss. Why is Oregon ahead of Ohio State? Well, their logic is... Oregon beat Ohio State head-to-head. That makes sense. But you don't apply the same logic to Michigan and Michigan State? It's just ridiculous. And that's the issue I have with the committee. They just use whatever criteria to fit whatever argument they want whenever they want. They basically know, hey, here's who we want to have in these spots. Here's who we think are good teams. We're not just going to say that. We're going to make up whatever numbers we have to and whatever logic we have to to try to justify it. And it just, that's that's an idiot. That's a problem. That's a problem. I do not like that. But anyway, to this game, Michigan-Penn State, it's a pick them here. Just like two weeks ago against Michigan State, I mean, Michigan's the better team in almost every way in this matchup. They are. They're plus 1,400 on the year compared to right about plus 300 for Penn State in their total yards differential. In their points differential, they're plus 20 points per game uh, against their opponents, whereas Penn State's only plus 10.3 points per game against their opponents. Michigan is 7th nationally in rush offense. Penn State, they can't run the football to save their life. That's the problem with this football team. They're 117th nationally in rushing offense. Michigan is 34th in yards per play, and Penn State's 88th in yards per play. Michigan is 6th in total defense. Penn State is 40th in total defense. Penn State's not a bad football team, but really almost across the board. Pick whatever statistical category you want to. Michigan has the edge. They are the better football team. They have been all year. But the problem is... Also, just like two weeks ago against Michigan State, Michigan's on the road against a solid football team. So Penn State, like, they're good enough to win this game. They're absolutely capable of winning this game if they play like their A game. We know Jim Harbaugh's reputation against good teams, and Penn State's not a ranked team, but they're still a good team. So this could be a Jim Harbaugh special. You certainly can't discount that possibility. It's college football. It could absolutely happen. 
Michigan was better than Michigan State last week, guy, or two weeks ago. They really were. And like going into that game in almost every statistical category, they were better than Michigan State. They were the better football team. They were up big in that game and they found a way to blow it. So that does give me some pause in this matchup against Penn State in Happy Valley. But I think you just you gotta play the odds here. You gotta ride the best team the team that is better in essentially every statistical measure. I've watched both these teams play multiple times this year. I think Michigan's better. I test, the, the stats, whatever number you want to look at. Michigan's the better team. They're also the team that is still playing for something. They still have Ohio State ahead of them. They still have a shot to get in the Big Ten title game with a win over Ohio State. And this is a game they can't lose. They know that. They have more to play for. So give me Michigan to win and stay alive in the Big Ten East race. And you know what, Charlie? I really like this pick. I really like this pick. So let's lock it up. Here's a lock of the week right off the bat. This is actually one that I probably, I'm probably gonna be laying a pretty sizable bet myself on this game this weekend. All right. Now let's jump over to the SEC West for a few minutes with Mississippi State going to Auburn to try to take down the Tigers. We all saw bad Bo Nicks last weekend in College Station, but he'll be back home. So he will probably play somewhat decently, but we just never know what we're going to get when Bo Nix runs out onto the field. <clears throat> On the other hand, Will Rogers is quite the impressive quarterback for Mississippi State. He's thrown for 3,307 yards this season with a 75% completion rate. He's third in the country and first in the SEC in passing yards. Surprise, surprise for Mark Leach. Mike Mark Leach. Leach. What happened to Mike Leach? Mike Leach, quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it rolls with Mike Leach. Now, he's been sacked 25 times, so the offensive line is something to be concerned about. They also just throw the ball a lot. Yes. That's part of it. Overall, both of these teams lost last weekend and will be trying to get back on track. However, I just don't think Auburn's going to be able to do that. It is an 11 o'clock kickoff, but that's for both teams because they're all in the West. Uh, I think the loss at A&M really took the wind out of their sails and diminished Auburn's hopes of sneaking into the SEC title game. They couldn't move the ball at all last week, and the state defense is pretty good. Uh, they're great against the run, and that's what Auburn does best on offense. I think State wins this game outright, so give me Mike Leach's team as my upset special. All right, going with the Bizarro Dogs. You know what? You're right, Charlie. That The loss to A&M really damaged their hopes to get into the SEC title game, but they can still manage to find their way in. Because right now, A&M, who beat them last week, still has two SEC losses. They lost uh, Arkansas, they lost to Mississippi State earlier in the year. So let's say A&M loses to Ole Miss this weekend. Auburn wins, the, they beat Mississippi State, and then Auburn goes and beats Alabama. Auburn could absolutely, they would, in that scenario, be in the SEC title game. So they've certainly hurt their chances, but they're not quite dead yet. I think this is going to be a really good game I get why Auburn is favored at home. It can be a tough place to play. Charlie, you mentioned this is an 11 o'clock kick for both teams. But they were anemic on offense last week. They had three total points, 226 total yards, 3.2 yards per play against that A&M defense. That's just terrible. And yeah, look, guys, I get it. A&M's defense is good. But so is Mississippi State's. In fact, Mississippi State is right behind A&M and the SEC in defensive rankings, give them only five yards more per game. They're not quite as good as A&M. They're not quite as talented, but they're not that far off. That's all I'm saying here. And Mississippi State is really efficient on offense. Will Rogers, you mentioned it, Charlie, is just lighting people up. In the air raid, like, I'll give Mike Leach credit here. Is it Mark Leach or Mike Leach this time, Charlie? It's Mike. It's Mike, right? I just want to make sure his cousin didn't take over. I'm just, just checking on you. Uh, the air raid that Mike Leach says really pioneered, 
has morphed into kind of an efficient ball control offense that takes what the defense gives them and how defenses are just playing drop eight almost every single snap. And last year they had trouble with that, but they've adjusted and they really just are taking what teams are giving them and they're kind of a ball control offense, which I never thought you'd really say about the air raid scheme. Now, looking at this matchup, I, I don't think this is an awesome matchup for Auburn. Really, it's not. Auburn wants to run the football. That's what they do best. That's what Mike Bobo does best as an offensive coordinator. But Mississippi State's really good against the run. They're third in the SEC in rush defense. I really like Aaron Brule and Tyrus Wheat in that front seven. Really good players. Probably have NFL futures. This is a matchup between two good defenses. I just think Mississippi State is more capable offensively. They're not balanced in the traditional sense. Now, if you ask Mike Leach, he says balance is different. He defines it differently. It's just distributing the ball to different players. It's not really run pass room. It's just, are we distributing the ball to different players? They do a really good job of that. Charlie, I love this pick. I love what you had to say there. I also, I agree with you. I'm going to take Mississippi State not just to cover. I'm taking Mississippi State to win outright. I was hoping you wouldn't pick this one, but I figured you might have one up your sleeve. I like Mississippi State to win outright. Give me the Bizarro Dogs as my upset special of the week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Now let's go with the game of the week in the Big 12 with a game that has serious. Title implications as Oklahoma travels to Chip and Joanna land to take on Baylor. The Sooners are coming off a bye week but are entering a brutal three-game stretch to end the season that includes this trip to Waco, a home game against Iowa State, and Bedlam and Stillwater. Uh, We're about to find out if OU is for real or not. Baylor lost last week in a heartbreaker at TCU, but they're still very much in contention for a Big 12 title berth, and a win over Oklahoma would go a long way towards securing their spot in Dallas. OU is a five and a half point road favorite in this one. They seem to keep, I think they're going to lose at least one of these last three, but I think they're going to win this one. So I'm going to go with OU to win and cover. This is an interesting game, Charlie. Yeah, I, I you, like intellectually, you feel like. Look at the matchups. They're going to lose one of these next three games, whether it's Baylor, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. But Lincoln Riley has historically been very good as a head coach in Norman in November. I don't think I don't know if he's lost. I don't think he's lost in November. Now their schedule typically in November is very very weak. This year it's certainly not weak. It's a very different element for them this year. But this is a really interesting game, and this is a game that Oklahoma certainly could lose. And I would really love to see Baylor win this game. 
And honestly, if you look closely, these teams are more evenly matched than you would think. Don't just go off history. Don't go off what Baylor normally is and what Oklahoma normally is. If you look at the teams this year, they're pretty evenly matched. Both in their total yards differential are right around the plus 800 range. Oklahoma's plus 18 points per game against their opponents. Baylor's plus 16 and a half points per game. Very similar there. I also think Baylor's played a tougher schedule today, so you got to factor that in. However, you look at the matchup. I don't know if this is the best matchup for the Bears. They are a power rushing team. Abram Smith, Treston Ebner, Gary Bohannon at quarterback. They are top eight in rushing offense. They're top three nationally in yards per rush. And the Oklahoma defense, though, like you wouldn't think this because you think Oklahoma, you're like, oh, their defense sucks. And usually, yeah, that's the case. And they're not great this year overall, but they're pretty stingy against the run. They're top 20 nationally in yards per rush allowed. The weakness for Oklahoma is their pass defense. They're 114th nationally against the pass. And Baylor's one of those teams, like, they're just not equipped to beat you with their drop back pass game in order for them to hurt you with the pass. It's kind of like us in a way with Stetson. They need to get their run game going to operate play action off of that. So the key for Baylor in this game is going to be forcing Oklahoma to bring extra bodies near the line of scrimmage. They need to have some success early running the football. And they run the ball really well. And I I really want to pick Baylor out right here. I really do. I very much want Oklahoma to lose and get knocked out of the playoff conversation. I'm trying to go with my head over my heart here as we get into crunch time these last couple weeks of the season. Oklahoma's coming off a bye, which you guys know if you listen to the show for a while, I usually put a lot of, I, I put a premium on that. I put a lot of emphasis on teams that are coming off a bye, put a lot of credence in that. And last week was interesting for Baylor. Baylor was challenged really for the first time through the air against TCU, and they got lit up for 450 plus by a quarterback Chandler Morris making his first career start. Now, part of that was Gary Patterson was fired. They were doing some different things offensively. They had no tape on Chandler Morris to operate off of, so that's really hard to prepare for a team like that in that kind of situation. So maybe you give him a pass there. It was the first time all year that's really happened. So I don't know. I, I, there's different parts of me to say different things. There's, you can look at this one way and say Oklahoma, look at another way and say Baylor. So how about this? I'll split the difference and I'll take Baylor to cover. I would love to take them outright as another upset special. I just don't know if the matchup is strong enough for me to go that far with it. But I do think they're good enough to keep it close. I like Baylor to cover. They've been building this game. I think they can do enough on the ground to force Oklahoma to get bodies in the box and open up some play action opportunities. All right, moving back into the SEC for our next game, we have a battle between the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Mizzou Tigers in Como. The Dogs killed Mizzou last weekend, and somehow Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks pulled the upset over Dan Mullen and his Gators, which now it just seems to be really falling apart I mean, the past few days. He, he is on life support. I told you a couple weeks ago, I thought if he lost one more game after we played them, that they might fire him. And you're like, no, they're going to fire Dan Mullen. But like, he's in a danger zone right now. One more loss, for sure, he's done. Yeah. South Carolina has probably been riding high all week, and with Beamer as a new head coach, I'm interested to see how South Carolina comes out and rebounds on Saturday. You know, will they show composure or will they be flying free? It'll be interesting to watch. We'll find out. This is one of those toss-up games with Mizzou favored by one at home. Carolina found a little something in the run game last week against Florida, and Missouri is the worst run defense in the country. Connor Bazelak, a quarterback, is still not 100% for Missouri and might not play on Saturday. I was going to pick Mizzou to cover. It makes it tough. Now I don't know. Well, basically, you're just picking a winner. You're just I picking really a winner. I really don't here. want South Carolina to win because I hate them. I really don't like South Carolina either. I don't know. I'll stick with my original pick. I'm going with Mizzou to win. Cover. I, so, basically, like practice on Tuesday. They say he was 100%. If I had to guess right now, Charlie, he'll probably play. 
Will he be as effective? That remains to be seen. But, I mean, this is a tough one. I, I don't hate that pick. I, I do think this one comes down to whether Connor Bazelak is playing and, and how healthy he is. And you have to ask yourself the question, does South Carolina have it in them again? Can they rise up one more time? Did you see Shane Beamer after that game, that win against Florida? Yes. That did not look like a man who thought he was going to win that football game coming to that game. No, it did not. He was just like stunned that they were able to win that game. And I think a lot of people were, including myself, because I had the Gators plus or minus 18. I think that was kind of an anomaly situation. It was a very anomalous situation. Missouri, I don't know, like, Missouri's kind of in a bad place too. I, But I, I'm always hesitant to pick a team like Missouri to bet on them that is that bad against the run. Like, first and foremost, old school football, you got to be able to stop the run, and they simply cannot. But I still, on the other side, don't completely trust South Carolina on offense. They are with a third-string quarterback. And I don't know, like going back to that game last week with South Carolina, like was that a sign of things to come for South Carolina or was it just a random situation? I don't think you want to read too much into that win over Florida because, as I said earlier, that Florida team is just a team that's given up. They're falling apart internally. They had a little bit of a flu outbreak. Whatever the reason was, they're just, they're they're done. Their season is over. Stick a, put, a, put a fork in them, Charlie. They're over. But I think it's in some ways kind of a similar-ish situation for South Carolina this week. They're playing a team that has had a really disappointing season. Missouri did not have as high expectations as Florida did, but they had higher expectations than four and five right now. And I'm like, Missouri's got a major uphill battle ahead of it if they even want to get bowl eligible. So like, I don't know. Like, you get the feeling that the air has kind of been let out of Missouri a little bit, kind of like you do with Florida. And on the flip side, that win over Florida, it seemed to kind of rejuvenate South Carolina. They're now only one win away from bowl eligibility. They have to know that. And they also have to know this is their best chance to get it done. They've got Auburn next week. And then they've got, obviously, Clemson. Clemson's not great this year. They maybe could win that game. But this is their best chance to get bowl eligible. They have, as you mentioned, Charlie, they kind of started to find their run game a little bit after the bye week, after really not having any sort of run game all year long. I just kind of have a feeling about this one. It's hard to explain. But I'm going to take the Cox here. Give me the Cox to win outright, I guess, in an ever so slight upset special, if we want to call it that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, technically, technically by definition for us, it's an upset special. Can't be a tie. What if it was? Well, Charlie, this is not a communist country. This is not soccer. Okay, moving on. We won't go there. We do real things. All right, at 7 People o'clock, win. Ole Miss will be hosting Texas A&M. A&M beat Auburn last weekend, so now the Aggies need to win out and hope Bama loses to Auburn in a couple of weeks so they can make their debut appearance in Atlanta for the SEC Championship on December 4th. Jimbo Fisher has a lot of experience, so I think he'll be able to make sure his guys are prepared and ready to play the next few weeks. Of course, we know Ole Miss can score, especially since they had their leading wide receiver, Braylon Sanders, back from the injury list. Texas A&M defense is good, but I think Ole Miss's offense will still be able to put up points. But as is always the case with Ole Miss, they're going to give up a ton of points, too. That's just what they do. Yeah. All the A&M offense is terrible. Not terrible. They're just not great. They're they're okay. I think Texas A&M will win this one, but even though the line is small, I think Ole Miss will cover. I think it may come down to one or two bad calls by the officiating crew. So it's going to be a tight one in Oxford. It'll We're putting it in the hands of SEC officials. Yeah, it'll Who knows? be a good one to watch. Who knows? We'll, we'll see what the SEC short is next week. Who knows? Yeah, that, that this might lead that one for sure. Ah, man, Charlie, I've gone back and forth like 17 different times in this game. I, I don't know, man. This is this is like a toss-up to me. It's, it's one of those classic tales. Great offense in Ole Miss versus, I don't want to say great defense, but really good defense in Texas A&M. And then on the flip side, you have subpar Texas A&M offense versus terrible Ole Miss defense. It, it's, it's an interesting matchup, but... If you look the past couple weeks, 
Ole Miss has not really been great on offense. I know we think Ole Miss is great on offense when they're fully healthy, but they haven't been 100%. They've had a lot of guys, important guys, key players on that injury list. They're starting to get ever so slightly more healthy. You mentioned Braylon Sanders is, is back. He played not all the time last week, but he played some. AM, you also mentioned Charlie trying to do their part to keep their SEC West title hopes alive while praying for a Bama loss. Can you imagine being AM last weekend? And if you're sitting there as an AM fan watching that LSU Alabama game, that would be hard. Well, we've been in that situation. I remember, was it 2007 Kentucky versus Tennessee? We didn't, we didn't have our destiny in our own hands. We needed Kentucky to beat Tennessee, and the Cats came oh so tantalizingly close. That probably cost us the national title. I mean, maybe you could say us losing in Knoxville earlier in that year cost us a national title. But I've been in that situation. I've been in that position. It sucks. And on some level, you kind of empathize with the A&M fans. But this is a really scary game for A&M. I know a lot of the A&M fans are just saying, hey, we just need Bama to lose one more time. Yeah, you need that, but you also need to make sure you don't lose one more time. And this Ole Miss team is certainly a scary team for them to be playing in this situation. This is really Zach Calzada's first like true hostile road environment. The first game he came in when Haynes King got hurt was at Colorado, although it was in Denver, and there were a lot of AM fans there. Certainly not a hostile environment. He played at Missouri a couple weeks ago, not a hostile environment. Those fans, they are good fans, but right now they don't care because they're not very good. This is the first time he's going to go into an environment where the fans are going to be loud and they're going to be rowdy. Now, Ole Miss is not a huge stadium, but like it, it's still a big game for them. It's at night. This is a different kind of environment for Zach Calzada, which I'm kind of concerned about because he, if you watch this guy, even at home, he has a deer in headlights look at all times, at all times. He looks like he has no idea what's going on. He's scared to death out there on the field. He's like, oh my God, coach, are you really seriously putting me out here? So what's it going to be like on the road for him? I think that's an underrated storyline in this game. I mean, he's not even really good at home. But A&M has gotten the ground game going, which is good news, obviously, against an Ole Miss defense that certainly while improved this year, is still a team that struggles against the run. I think this is going to be a really fun game. I'm really excited to watch it. I think A&M has the better overall roster, but Matt Corral, you guys know I'm a Matt Corral stan. He's the X factor in this game, and the quarterback position is so critical. So that's a clear edge for Ole Miss at quarterback. But they're, again, they're just still so banged up on offense. That gives me a lot of pause here. So here's the situation I'm looking at. I've been going over this all week. What do I go with? Do I go with AM, the better roster that doesn't always play up to its potential but has more to play for? Or do I go with the team in Ole Miss as the clear edge at quarterback, but, which is the most important position, but still really banged up on that side of the ball, which is the side of the ball that they rely on? That's kind of what's been going through my head all week. I've gone back and forth on this. I am certainly not betting on this game myself because I just don't know what Ole Miss's health situation is going to be. But, and I have very little confidence in this, I'm going to side with the team with the better roster. You guys know I'm a big believer in talent and also which happens to be the same team that has more to play for right now. So give me A&M. Would not be surprised at all if Ole Miss wins this game. Absolutely not. But got to make a pick. I'm going to go with A&M. All right. Next up, we have a game that I know everyone predicted before the season would be the game that would decide the ACC Atlantic Division. Everyone had it. Yep. Everyone, Charlie. As NC State pays a visit to Wake Forest, 
Yeah, Wake Forest lost to UNC last week, but here's the thing. That wasn't a conference game. Not a conference game. We talked about it last week. They're in the same conference, but that wasn't played as a scheduled conference game, so technically Wake is still undefeated in the ACC, while NC State enters the game with one conference loss. So if NC State can beat Wake Forest, they'll have a tiebreaker and be on the fast track to the ACC title game. Yes. That's a lot of explaining. This is a matchup of two conflicting styles as Wake Forest features a top 10 offense and North Carolina State is a powered by a top 20 defense. Um, I thought about this one real quick. This is one I've thought about a lot. I'm going to go with NC too. State. They have more Ooh. to play for. Well, they both have the same to play well, for. They do. Whoever wins this game is probably good, almost certainly going to win the yeah, ACC Yeah, but I would rather Atlanta. North Carolina State win. Really? Why? You hate the small know. schools? No. It's because they have the same colors as us. I like it, yeah, Charlie. I like no. it. Red and black. Let's go. Yeah, okay. Why, why are you hating on the Baby Deeks? I'm not hating on them. I would just like to see You just North said Carolina. that you would like to see North Carolina State win. I, yeah. Wake Forest never wins anything. Well, I mean. All right, all right. I like, all right, I see, I see, I see where you're going here. Yeah, you mentioned, Charlie, this is another match between a really good defense in NC State and an elite offense in Wake Forest. And when I say elite offense, I mean elite offense. NC State's really good on defense. They're banged up right now. Isaiah Moore, their best player on defense, probably isn't going to play again this week. I mean, they're good. They're a top 25 caliber defense, but their season numbers don't really reflect where they are right now. Again, they're really banged up. Two of their top linebackers are out. It's 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 a tough road for them. they got a defensive tackle. That's a big-time player. It's out for them. And Wake, yes, is very bad on defense. They are very bad on defense. Basically, every game they win is going to be a shootout because they just can't really stop anybody. But that offense is as good as there is in America. They are top 10 in every major offensive statistical category there is out there. You name an offensive stat category, they're going to be in the top 10. That's how good they've been. They run the ball. They throw the ball. They're very balanced. You got a veteran quarterback. Wake is going to score points in this game. I don't care that NC State's good statistically on defense. They're not the same defense right now. They're not playing at the same level. Wake is going to score points, and I just don't think NC State's going to be able to keep pace. NC State's fine on offense. Like, it's weird. NC State has good players on offense. They have two good running backs. They have a really good receiver in Emeka Akezi. I think that Leary is good at quarterback. Like, he's got the, the skill set, but they just don't ever really wow you. Like, the product they put out there on the field is far less than what it should be based on the individual players that they have. There's just something missing for them on offense. This, Charlie, honestly, arguably could be the biggest game in Wake Forest football history. Like, I don't think that's a stretch. Now, are they ready for that? Like, is that too much for them to handle? Or are they going to come out ready to make a huge move towards winning the ACC Atlantic? You know what, Charlie? I'm going to put my faith in the Demon Deacons. Give me Wake to win at home and all but seal up an appearance in the ACC title game. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
All right. Well, we have one more game to talk about before we get to the dogs. Sam Pittman and the Razorbacks are heading to Death Valley for a night game this weekend. I'm curious to see how LSU has or has not rebounded after that loss to Bama last weekend. They truly left everything out on the floor. Don't you get the feeling that was just like a one-time thing? Yes. We know Ed Orgeron is out at the conclusion of this season, so we'll see if we can get his, he can get his players motivated for this weekend. The Razorbacks upset Mississippi State last weekend and in the process secured their first bowl appearance since the 2016 Belk Bowl. Uh, they have three games left, and they have a chance to really improve their bowl slot. Of course, they do have to play Bama. Um, that'll be a hard one to pull out. But I do think they can beat LSU. They have more to play for, and they are far more capable on offense. So I'm going with the Hogs to win and cover on Saturday. Yeah, the, Charlie, looking at this line, two and a half. Like, this is one of those, like, I just don't get it lines. I got to look at it several different times. I pulled up a couple different sites to make sure it really was two and a half, and somebody just didn't have a typo there. Like, two and a half? They only think Arkansas is two and a half points better than LSU right now. I don't I don't get that at all. Arkansas is better than LSU. They're more talented based on who's left. I know they don't recruit the same level as LSU, but based on who's available right now, they're more talented right now. They're better coached. They have a lot more to play for. There's just a better vibe, obviously, around that program. They're Charlie, did you see any of that post-game stuff from the Arkansas game last week? Sam Pittman was almost in tears in his post-game I press did conference. Not see it. Just so excited. It meant so much to them to get bowl eligible. Now they put a lot into that game. They were talking about how that was their Super Bowl, so maybe there's a little bit of a hangover. I, maybe, but there's just better vibes around this Arkansas program, obviously, than where LSU is right now. I get it. I get that it's a night game in Tiger Stadium. I that matters, I guess. But, I mean, this isn't your typical LSU team that's playing at night in Tiger Stadium. I, honestly, I just feel like LSU is getting far more respect for that Alabama game than they really deserve. I think it's really kind of just an anomaly. Uh, it was a rivalry game. They put everything into that game, just kind of like they did with the Florida game last, last year. They won that Florida game, the shoe game. This year, they couldn't quite pull out. They had their chances, couldn't quite pull out the upset of Alabama. That epic would have been an epic upset of Alabama. I mean, you look at LSU, like, what are they doing offense? They can't throw the ball now. They're running the ball better than they were, but they simply can't throw it now without Keishon Butte. It's hard to even call them one-dimensional offense because, yeah, they're running the ball better, but they're still not great at that. They're maybe half-dimensional offensively, if that's a thing. Arkansas, you said it, Charlie, did get bowl eligible. I think they're hungry for more, though. Like, my question would be this, looking at this matchup. Where is LSU better than Arkansas right now? What matchup actually really favors LSU in this game? Where are they better? What position? And I just don't see it. I just don't see it. So, Charlie, it's a college ball game. Crazy things can happen. I think this is a disrespectful line towards Arkansas. So give me the Hogs to win. You know what, Charlie? Lock it up. Oh, I second need to make a lock. lock. You do need a lock. But that's my second lock special. of the week. I have an upset special. Okay, okay. I just need to do okay. a lock. Okay. All right. Are we ready? Move I'm ready. On? Let's go. All right. Well, our final game has the Dogs making the trip to a very cold Rocky Top this weekend as a 20-point road favorite, and the Vols are going to be looking to knock off the number one team in the nation, or at least give them their best try. Well, they're going to try to knock us off. Tennessee is playing a lot better than most people predicted, and they beat Kentucky last weekend with the time of possession being less than one-fourth of the entire game. Most overrated stat in football. Still find it very It's hard. crazy, but yes. That's, that's what explosive plays will get you. But the Vols may have a tough time bouncing back this week. But you know the Georgia coaches have been preparing the dogs for this game for more than a week going back to the bye week. This could be a tough game for Georgia since Hendon Hooker's efficiency and the explosiveness in the passing game has the Vols rolling right now. I'm curious to see who our starting quarterback will be. Like You really 
think it's gonna be anyone but Stetson Bennett? I mean, who knows? At this point, I mean, I know it's gonna who, be Stetson. Yeah, Bennett. it's gonna be Stetson it's gonna Bennett. Be Stetson. But we'll see if JT gets yeah, does he get more some, time. some sort of a rotation? Fair. So not as who's our starter gonna be, but what's it gonna look like? Fair. Uh, I'm super glad that this game is at 3:30 and not a night game. I think the Vols will leave everything they have on the field, but at the end of the day, the Dogs will just have too much talent and will find a way to secure the win. The spread is 20. It's a lot of points on the road. Hmm. Rivalry game. Do you consider this a rivalry game? Yeah. I definitely do. Some people would say no, but I do. I'll take Georgia in the points. Woo, Charlie. I like it. I like it. It's it's Basically, every spread this season has been a lot. Now, while you talk, I'm going to think about my lock. Please do that. Okay. All right, we're going to have one. You going to be ready? Yep. All right. I'm going to hold you to that. Look, guys, I don't speak for the entire Georgia fan base. I'm not going to pretend that I do. That's crazy. I don't. But I do run a Georgia podcast. I do live in Athens. And so I get the opportunity to interact with a large quantity of Georgia fans on a regular basis. And as soon as the Tennessee-Kentucky game started last Saturday, and you guys know I, I watch games on tape delay. I DVR these things so I can watch as many games as I can. I wasn't watching that game on Saturday night. I actually watched that on Sunday. So I had to tell my friends, like, stop texting me about this game. I'm watching it tomorrow. And I and I kind of do like a Twitter blackout, a social media blackout on Saturday night so that I don't see what's happening. So I, But I started to see people say things about that game from the get-go. I had friends texting me, letting me know, my God, man, this Tennessee team, like, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about this game already, especially that Tennessee offense. So right as that game kicked off, I was already hearing about it, and I've been hearing about it ever since then, all week long. And I get it. I get it, guys. The game's in Knoxville. can be a tough place to play. This Tennessee program is starved to get a win like this. They are the home team. The Vols are going to be the home team with some with some momentum, with a chance to knock off number one at home in front of their fans. They are the most explosive passing offense in the SEC. That's a fact. This is the biggest challenge to date for our defense. Maybe not a fact, but that's my opinion. They do have playmakers on offense. You have guys like Cedric Tillman, Vellis Jones, both their running backs, Hayden Hooker himself, playmakers. They do have the ability with those playmakers to put up points. They do. But saying all that, I would also caution you to to not make the Vols out to be something that they aren't because they are not, as Charlie told us, as talented as we are. Not even close. Not even in the same universe. They are not an elite offense. They're good on offense. They're dangerous on offense. They're not elite. They are not good on defense in any way, shape, or form. They're not good stopping the run. They're very bad against the pass. They're not good on the offensive line. They're giving up more sacks than any team in the SEC this season. And look, I'm not saying that I don't have like some level of trepidation going into this game. I do know that's a tough place to play. I've been there many, many times. I know that they're going to come out on fire. I fully expect that. I know they're going to throw everything they have at us. Trick plays, the kitchen sink, whatever. They're going to throw it at us. That's the burden of being number one. You're going to get everyone's best shot. you got to be ready for it. I know that we still have some lingering questions on offense. I know that this is college football where anything can happen. I know those things. So, of course, there is some level of concern. But that's always the case for me. It's my nature when it comes to Georgia football. It's in my DNA. I own that. I've seen a struggle in spots like this too many times in my life. I've been at too many of these games and walked out of road stadiums heartbroken after losing a game where we shouldn't have lost or even just walking out euphoric because we somehow snuck out of there with a win despite being the far more talented team. 2013 in Knoxville comes to mind for me. 
It's emotional trauma, guys. It sticks with you. And so it's hard for me to get over that. But I'll go back to what I've said basically all season. This is just a different team. This is a different Georgia team. The rules that have always applied to Georgia teams of yesteryear, so far, they just don't seem to apply to this Georgia team. We're just built differently this year. We're also more talented than Tennessee. That doesn't hurt. We're also more talented than any of those other Georgia teams. That doesn't hurt. But still, no team's invulnerable. But we are. You got to say this, guys. Look at it. Look around us, around the country. We're still the one team in America, at least since week one, that is just taking care of business each and every week without exception, even when we don't play our best. Like, you know, last week against, against Missouri or even two weeks ago against Florida. And then you look at this matchup with Tennessee. And once you get past how explosive Tennessee's offense is, and they are, and you, but you actually take a close look at all aspects of this game, you realize hey, this is a really good matchup for us. The Tennessee offense is built, as we said in the, on the uh, preview episode, it's built on spraying the field, running the football, challenging you to stop the run with even numbers in the box. And when you can't, they hurt you with big plays in the pass game. You try to get more numbers in the box. It's a very similar philosophy to what we do on offense. The thing is in this game, from a matchup perspective, we're just better equipped to do what they are betting teams can't do. We're better equipped to do that than anyone in the country, and that's just stopping the run with even numbers. We've done it all year long. You've heard me talk about it ad nauseum week after week after week. And yeah, look, Josh Heupel's a good offensive coach. They scheme up really well on offense. They take advantage of what you give them. But if they can't run the ball, they're gonna have a really hard time beating us. They have not had a 300-yard passing day all year. They're hitting chunk plays in the passing game, but they're not doing it necessarily on a consistent basis. They don't throw the ball nearly as much as they run it. That's just a fact. They've run the ball 150 more times this year than they have thrown the ball. And this is a team that has made a living off those big plays on offense. They have. Here's the thing, though. Matchup perspective, we just so happen to be the best team in not just the SEC, but in the entire country in limiting explosive plays on defense. But Tennessee's also really bad at giving up explosive plays themselves. They're second to last in the SEC and allowing passing plays of 30 or more yards. And look, as I know, a lot of people out there don't believe in Stetson Bennett. I know they don't. But statistically, Stetson Bennett is second in the country in yards per attempt. We actually have had more pass plays of 20 or more yards than Tennessee. Now, they've had more passing plays of 30 or more yards. We've only had three fewer than that, but we have more passing plays of 20 more yards than Tennessee. So they're really bad. Like they, they can hit a lot of big plays on offense. They give up a ton of big plays, especially in the passing game on defense. And we have done a really good job all year of generating those explosive plays, contrary to popular belief. So I do think this game will come down to who runs the ball better, who hits more explosive plays. I just happen to think the answer to both those questions is going to be the dogs. It's going to be Georgia. Now, we're going to have to weather the early storm. I do believe that. But I think at the end of the day, our talent edge is just going to win out. I'm a big believer in talent, guys. It doesn't always win out, but more often than not, it does. 20 is a large number. You're right about that, Charlie. 20 is a large number anywhere, on the road especially, in a rivalry game against a team that's improving each week. That's a big number. But I believe in this team. Every day, I'm recovering more and more from what our good friend Josh has coined as old Georgia syndrome. So give me the dogs to win. Charlie, I'm with you. Cover the 20. Maybe backdoorish in that cover, but I'll lay the 20 points. Give me the dogs. Backdoorish, huh? Backdoorish. I just invented a new word. <clears throat> Sounds good. I'm All a right. genius, Charlie. Well, we have four. I'm not going to lock anything up this week because it'll probably just be the same as what you have. But then so. lock it up. No, it's fine. So you want to lock up Arkansas? <clears throat> yeah, it's fine. Lock them up. You have to have a lock. So we both have Michigan. We both have Mississippi State. 
I have Oklahoma, you have Baylor, I have Mizzou, you have South Carolina, mm-hmm. I have Ole Miss, you have A&M, I have North Carolina State, you have Wake Forest. Once again, we have four differences. Right. We both have Arkansas and we both have UGA. That's more differences than we normally, well, no, we have we four had four last, last week. We split them last week. And Charlie is locking up Arkansas. I, you have to have a lock. I don't. Who cares? You told me earlier this season that I don't have to. Huh? Yeah. You don't have to have an upset special. Okay, fine. Arkansas. But why? It's the same. But this is just for pride, Charlie. But, like, but, we, but okay. Whatever. You want your record to be as good as it can. If you think Arkansas is going to win and you feel strongly about sure. that, lock it up. Whatever, lock whatever it up. you say. We have to be intellectually honest here, right. Charlie. If we have some of the same picks, it's okay. But you got to be honest with the people. That's what they want. They don't want to hear the same thing over and over. I mean, we have four differences, Charlie. Yeah, I made picks that maybe I was not like That's not this. what you're supposed to do. Well, nobody wants to hear us have the same picks. They want to get information, Charlie. Okay. Let us know, guys. We'd love to hear what you think out there. Maybe we're just completely out of touch. One of us is out of touch. I know I'm out of touch. And I'm pointing at that person right now. All right, guys. Anyway, that's it, Charlie, right? Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to us, not just today, but all week, all season. It's been an awesome season. We're breaking records for this podcast. We appreciate you so very much for all the support. And, of course, we'll be back next week with even more Georgia content for you. Hopefully... We'll be breaking down a very nice Georgia win for you guys. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Pray to the Heavenly Father above. All those things. Whatever works for you. Let's do it. Let's get this W. Charlie, thank you for being here. I know you're not feeling great today. You're a trooper. That's why you're the superstar of the podcast. I'm not the superstar. You're clearly the superstar. Everyone says it. I'm not. Charlie, everyone's saying it. All right. It makes it true. Let's go. It makes it true. All right. We're getting out of here. Thank you for listening, guys. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.